Welcome, everybody. Thank you for uh, inviting me back, Matthew and Joan, making it all possible. Uh, let's see what we unpack. Some new faces and some familiar faces and some familiar energy fields and some energy fields have changed dramatically since I was here last. So I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. It's great to see something moving. <clears throat> let's see where this goes. We passed a movie theatre this evening, and um, it's a little one that's near the Self-Realisation Fellowship Ashram. And they're showing Awake, Paramahansa Yogananda's movie, you know. So it got me just kind of pondering the word awake, you know. And it's a funny one because, yes, your mind is a liar. There's no doubt about it. It's a liar. It's a subjective a subjective perceiving machine that gives you a particular view from your own body-mind, and invariably, it's actually a lie, because it's a version of what's seen. And it's a version of what's seen according to everything from what you ate that day to your past conditioning to DNA imprints, right through to your hormonal mood, all of it. All of these things impact to give you whatever sense of perception is running through your body-mind organism. So in that way, really, you're a bit of a puppet. So whatever you're perceiving is just a cocktail of all these conditions which enable the particular perception to be happening in that moment. Have I lost people already? There's a few <laughs> faces going... <laughs> <clears throat> if you can remember that your mind is a liar all the time, it's always a liar. It's ever only going to give you a version of something. It's always a liar. That's its nature, is to be a liar. If that is remembered somewhere deeper, that your mind is a liar, you'd be pretty much awake. <laughs> you know? It can only give you a version. It's all it can do. It's very limited, really, to what it can pick up anyway. So we do things in order to expand it, to expand the, the limits of our mind, and we do things like meditation and spiritual practice to bring it down to a centre point. We're doing both. We're training it not to jump all over the place, but at the same time to expand its horizons so that we can we can see more of the totality or of the bigger picture, the biggest picture. How wide does it get? So that overlaps with like me, myself, I. That's the one that's full of limitations. The world vis-a-vis -vis me and my perception. We take things personally. Me and my perception. There's the limited one. But if you can see, there's the personal perspective, but it's against a little bit of a background that's slightly more subtle, not as demanding, doesn't have so many likes and dislikes, but that there's a background there. There's a background there. If you can see the two of those, you're halfway there. That the personal against a background of something much broader. And one useful way that I often advocate in order to get a handle on the personal is to see who you think you are as a character. 
You know, it's like the Jack character, the Lynn character, the Paula character. They're, that's the character doing his or her thing. But against a background that talks from there. And depending on how wide your perception is, the background can be observer, it can be I am, it can be the absolute resting in your true nature, or it can be prior to any identity at all, like way back out there. Naming the backdrop isn't so important. As long as there isn't a total investment in the personal one, in that limited perspective, if there isn't a total investment there, then you will see that it's a liar. You will see it's a liar. It's just the character doing his or her thing, playing their story. If you believe you are the character, well, 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 okay. That's being asleep. For sure, that's being asleep. If you can get used to seeing that there's the character doing his or her thing, and the character wants to wake up. The character wants to see the truth. But sure, if the mind is a liar by its nature, do you think the mind would recognize the truth? How could it recognize the truth? How could it? If it's a liar, it's not going to know diddly squat about what's, what's a lie and what's not a lie. But liar. What's, what is a lie and what's not a lie? Because fundamentally, it can only lie. It can only lie, your mind. It's subject to perception. It doesn't have the wider view. So how can your mind touch the truth? What is it that goes beyond there, that knows, that, that, that has that whatever expanse, wider view, stillness, that which is prior to the personal story? What is that? What is that true nature or being or absolute, that backdrop? So the mind is going to put a label on it, and that's what we do. I'm doing it now, I'm saying the absolute, your true nature. I'm doing it, that's what we do, because we need to objectify everything. But your mind needs to know that it can't get it. And it's okay that it can't get it, but it might need to have that piece of information. You're not going to get this. But what you are, it knows it. You know it, but your mind isn't going to get it. So the mind will keep you searching forever. You know? <laughs> it will, huh? It's always, it's goal-oriented, and it needs to be, because that's a really effective tool for managing the world. That it's goal-oriented, and task-driven, and it wants to get something. It works on rewards. If I do this, I'm going to get that. Cause and effect makes sense to our minds. That's the kind of machine that the mind is. But the truth... It's got a whole different thing going on. It doesn't work with those rules at all, at all. So if your mind knows, mind, you, you can't get it. You actually can't get it. And if your mind can accept that, something gets softer. Something gets softer. That backdrop, wherever the, the broader perspective, the blank canvas from which your perception arises from, if it's okay not to, what is that? If it's okay for mind not to go back there and dissect it, 
If you can leave it be, that would be great too. Sure, there are different layers of perception, but the only thing that's really important is to make sure that you're not caught in the me, myself, I perception on its own. Because if that's the only lens that's available to you, well, then pain is going to happen. You're in your story. You're taking things personally. That's a bummer. Your mind is a liar. It's never going to know the truth. It, it can't, because it's a liar. So the knowing of that broader canvas, of that which can see your mind, that knowing, hang out there, and let it be a still and a still and a still, and it might find that your perception is just coming from someplace way back there. It shows itself to you if you bring your mind there to identify it, you're in trouble. You're creating a state of mind. But it shows itself to you in its own time. So there's a few ways of approaching this weekend, you know. If you can just come tonight or dip in during the weekend, You'll, you'll do what you're going to do. But there's two things we can do. Is, is one, we can loosen whatever keeps you so interested in your me, myself, I story. We can loosen those hooks so that your perception doesn't get limited and personal. We can loosen those. Or we can fall back and fall back and let it get wider and wider and wider and drop in, dissolve. I don't mind, we can go either way. There's no right and wrong. There's no right and wrong. It's just, it, it, it's just consciousness doing it all. It's just one machine anyway. Forgetting, remembering, forgetting, remembering, playing with its lenses of perception. That's what it does. the you that has the me, myself, I personal story kind of fades out, you know? When you can see the you from a distance, it, it kind of fades out. That's okay. Does something else come into view? Not really. Not really. It just gets wider and more still and thins out, reifies a bit. Don't try to control it. The more that perception just dissolves and retreats back and attention just drops back in home, the more it goes back, great. Great. Consciousness is remembering itself. And life can be lived from there. And really, when perception pulls away from the personal viewpoint, we're not completely sure what happens, you know? 
And we can't be sure. We, you know, if science could nail that down specifically, gosh, really, it would be bringing something that is outside of subject-object perception into subject-object perception. And it's somehow, in the seeing of that, it would be tainted by the personal. It would be within the narrow perspective again. It would only be a theory. So know yourself. What's the theory about the truth? And what is that, that wider view that you know but you don't really have words for? Better if you don't have words for it. Then mind isn't hijacking it and making a theory. So make sure that mind is happy enough, is okay with not being able to name it, claim it, identify it. Mind needs to know these things. It can't go there. Maybe we'll evolve enough to know how to decipher when our identity is in the absolute and when even our identity with the absolute dissolves. Maybe downriver we'll be able to recognize that, but I don't think it's going to be in our lifetime. As long as we think that the personal me, myself, I is king, matter is first, you know? And that spirit is second. Well, you know, consciousness is second. It's the other way around. It's the other way around. Matter is second. Consciousness is first. So what lens of perception is running right now? Is it the personal perspective that's sitting here? Is it me listening to the Jack character? And is she a person and I'm a person? And there's people at either side of me. Is that what's running right now? Or can you see that, yeah, that story could be running, but really it's not active at all. This body is sitting here and nothing much going on. Drop into that one where it's softer. Don't be bothered too much about the character and his or her story. The personal will always have a story. Drop back. person can be picked up to drive you home or to do whatever it needs to do when we're done this evening. And you can pick it up without it being you, without going in there and feeling every emotion and running every story and believing every, I should talk to them, oh no, I'm not comfortable talking to them, I'm going to nip out here, and oh no, I really should go over there. And it's like, you know that garbage? Garbage. Like, what is that? What use is that? Listening to that rubbish that the personal eye just me, 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 and me. It's all it wants to talk about is me. Any old junk it can throw up seems to work, you know? 
Whereas if you know your mind is a liar, already it's on a loose foundation. It's kind of hard to take it seriously when you know it's a liar. And something gets loose. Your attachment to it lessens. Something gets loose. Anyway, there we go. <laughs> Let's see what happens. We'll uh, open the questionnaire's chair and, and let's see if somebody wants to come up. Let's come up and let's talk and see what happens. Yes. Testing. Hi there. Ah. It's all fine about being in the... Being in the... And I agree with your, as much as I can that being in, the, in that back space is much easier than being entangled in the, in the person. So my question is, I get suckered into being me like in relating to another person, and it's like concretized. It's, it's, it feels so sticky, and I can't get out of it. Yeah, I can kind of, if I pull back a little bit, I can get above it, but I just get, you know, into suffering and pain and all this stuff, or, or the pleasure, if it's the other way. So when there's a conflict, I get very much tied into the other person's me. And so my question is, what can I do to disentangle? Yeah, are you caught right now? No. Okay, right what's the difference? Because this is a one, one-to-one dialogue as well. How come uh, you can see? How come you can see? You can't hear my mic. Okay, pardon me. How come you can see right now the character and its patterns? What's happening to enable that right now? There's no emotional entanglement right now. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's in the in the relationship when that most happens. Yeah. Where there's a lot of stake, or I think there's a lot of stake. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we'll have a, a big conflict, for example, and then I, I see myself blaming her or um, blaming myself, yeah. the, the little me, saying, you know, you should be more open to, to whatever's going on. Yes. So, um, so it's much easier if there's no uh, emotional... Stuff, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Heavy stuff. Yeah. That kind of brings me down. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah eventually I pull out of it, but it takes days. It takes days. Yeah. You're caught in the emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do you express emotions when they come up? No, um, not very easily. Huh. Because um, emotions are great, you know? It's just yeah. a bundle of energy that whoop, comes up and pops out. Yeah, I, I do it occasionally. But, okay. You know, I used to get really angry and kind of get into fights. Ah. So I just kind of watch it, but it's, there's a, uh, it, it's like lack of freedom when, when that state comes in where I feel bound into whatever 
is going on with the other person. And my, my first line of, the, of um, escape is to you know, escape, get away from put distance between us. Ah, so you physically, physical distance you're talking about? Yeah. You'd leave the room or you'd... Yeah, physical and emotional distance. Just kind of okay. shut down. Okay. Because yeah. it, it's like I don't know how to resolve it. Trying to resolve the conflict is pretty much pointless because <laughs> you know, we each... Each of the two personalities or characters, as you say, have their own viewpoints, and I'm very much, and mine is right. And she says, why can't you see my point of view? Yes, so, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Do you have access to some stillness when that's going on? A Can you pull bit, yeah. in yourself into a bit of stillness? Yeah, uh, I, I can, and I can watch it, but still it's, it's whatever... It, the, the body's feeling something that's not pleasant, it's suffering. Okay. Yeah. Okay. When you tune into the stillness, can the stuff, suffering be there without you wanting it to go? Hmm. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, would it be possible to not take yourself so seriously when there's an argument going on? That's the hard part. <laughs> that's the very hard part. It feels like it's linked to your value system. Mm-hmm. That, you know, there's a value around, around yeah. how it should be and my opinion and the, and the resolution. And it's like, phew, these strong values are coming in. I'd be yeah, going after sure. your value system uh-huh. so and revisiting it. Yeah, it's from way back in childhood. You, things childhood. usually are. Yeah. Yeah. Because arguments happen. Energy comes and it moves and it gets expressed. But if a value system comes in about how things should be or what's important to me, it obscures everything. Right, exactly. You know? Because an argument is no bad thing. It's just like a, you know, it's just a poof, it's just a spark. Whereas if you take yourself seriously, I mean, you imagine that the spark is a friggin' forest fire. You, You know? Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it at the time. Yeah, yeah. So it happens, isn't it? Because when we're in the personal, it's the only thing that's in our vista. And because we have such a huge capacity to see all of it, because we really were pure consciousness, we've condensed our perception into this. So the volume goes way up when we're in the personal. The volume goes way up because we've like condensed all our attention, all our true nature into this tiny viewpoint yeah, right. you know so the charge has to be huge okay, so the alternative is to either explode it yes or <laughs> or defuse it defuse it somehow. and say hey okay this energy I need to just puke this sorry there babe I'm just gonna let it rip turn around and uh, whatever you need to do but it's like if you've got that capacity and you do have the capacity to kind of see it, to mm-hmm. see it, if you have that crack at all, you're halfway there. You're halfway there. Okay. So if you've got a crack and you can see it, you don't take it seriously, you see, okay, well, my value system now is going gonna, is gonna to really want my point to be communicated here and for her to get that I'm actually right. Mm-hmm. All that garbage. It's just like, okay, I can see it or I can buy into it. What am I going to do here? Let's just drop. Let's just drop the whole thing. And even if it's a case of like, I know we're in the middle of an argument, but the best thing I could do now is just go into stillness. And if she goes nuts, she goes nuts. 
but at least one of you will be out. Mm. And, right. and her going nuts, if that's the response, without the second person, without two personal agendas going on, there's no argument. Right. One yeah. personal agenda can't dance if there isn't yeah. another one at play. It takes two to tango. It takes two to tango. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm getting better at it. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a great opportunity. It's a very conflicting relationship, so I'm learning a lot about Yeah. Like you say, my value system, which I wasn't so aware of. Yeah, there's a, there's, there's value. Yeah, and you've got to look at that in your own time, you mm -hmm. know, just explore that. It's like, what, what values do I have here that I'm pulling in that's mm -hmm. making me take it so seriously? You know, because really, don't take anything seriously. Really. Yeah, it's easier said than done. <laughs> yeah, but with practice, it really gets yeah. easier. It's actually unnatural to take things so seriously. It's unnatural to view from the, pers from the personal perspective. It's habit, but it's unnatural. But if you have a crack at all, the habit of like, there's a, I can access stillness inside, but I'm going to go for this. This is too important. Mm -hmm. if, if you've left the stillness and you've gone into it, you're choosing suffering. You're choosing suffering. I mean, you're going to choose that yeah. if you're done choosing it. It's a choice that happens so fast I'm not even... Yeah. Able to, to uh, take an alternate. Yeah. yeah. So this, this, whenever you notice it, if you're like, man, I'm in this place again, it's like, hold on, i got to stop, pull back. Wherever you get a crack, no matter if you're winning beautifully in an argument and you see, oh my God, I'm here again. There's, a, there's another perception available to me. If you get a crack, come out. Because if you can see, oh God, I'm really just... just in this fight and it's going nowhere but, but I'm doing it because there's juice in it at some level. Mm -hmm. If you don't take the opportunity and you stay in the fight, the, the opening to the stillness inside will seal over. It's like some part of your psyche says, you know, ultimately I'm actually still really enjoying the personal. I'm actually getting juice out of the struggle. So if you don't take whatever window is open to you, you're going to have less of them in the next argument. That's a kind of a good thing to remember. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's often like, it, it's like a, uh, a game. Am I winning or is she losing? Yes. And it, it becomes, it's like, yeah, yeah, I want to win. You want to win. There's your value but, system. But you're losing. Right, exactly. You're really losing. Yeah, suffering is. Yeah, <laughs> suffering is winning. Yeah. So would it be okay to lose every argument from now on in the relationship? Could you, could you just let yourself lose them all? Maybe 90%. 90%. You see the investment in suffering. Let's keep a little bit of a window open so that there's some juice available for me. Yeah, it kind of feels good sometimes. I, I, I discovered that one time. Wow, I'm enjoying the suffering, but it's, it's still suffering. It's because I was used to it. It feels like a comfortable place. It feels uh -huh. like familiarity yeah, of the that, juice. That's it. Not enjoyment, but familiarity. Yeah, it's familiarity, yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. I'm glad you see that you don't enjoy it, because that, that's yeah. a good one. It's like, it's familiar, I don't enjoy it. There's a difference there. Mm -hmm. yeah. You'll be ready to say no to suffering. You will really want the answer to your question if you're willing to lose every argument from here on. That's the key. Lose. <laughs> it is the key because there is, there is a, um, to, to, to win from the argumentative personal perspective place, 
is the drug right now. It's so the, the drug is the juice mm-hmm. right now, right? It's familiar and there's a feel-good factor. Mm, you know, yeah. when you're winning an argument and the other person is backing down or something, there's a feel-good factor, you know? Right. So, so if you're prepared to lose all of those, you've, you've cut off the addiction to that buzz, mm. be it pain or suffering or wh- whatever version of that buzz. You've cut off that opportunity for yourself. If you've cut that off, of course you're winning because you're pulling back and the fights, the arguments won't happen. Mm-hmm. Do you know? But there'll be like a, hold on a minute, can we talk about this in another way? Can we? And it's just diffused because you don't have the personal agenda in there. Right. And then there's communication that happens or doesn't happen. It's like, we've we got to keep talking about this because this is going nowhere. <laughs> or, and it comes from a completely other place. But it's not no. uncomfortable. It's just dialogue. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's something I need to work on. Yeah. Um, but that's the test for you. Am I prepared to lose it all? And the value system on winning is where you've got to explore. Mm-hmm. But am I prepared to lose it all? To lose every argument? Am I really done with that, that feeling? That, that's the one that's going to answer it for you. All right. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Uh-huh. It's funny, isn't it? It's like f- from one perspective, we want suffering to stop. But yet it's so darn addictive. It, you know, the, the juice in the personal perspective can be so addictive that you, 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 you get pulled into it again, you know? And, and really, do we really want to stop that buzz? Gosh, sometimes we don't. Well, that, that's the reason we're still in the drama, is some part, of it, some part of us still wants it, still wants to talk about me, still wants the buzz of drama to feel alive, to experience. To... We're nodding. Yeah. <laughs> Hi there. Hi. <clears throat> Could you speak to the difference between like up and out and associated versus kind of seems like it's down, like relax, down, and through to like more genuine causal witness. Okay. For you, it's directional. It's down? Yeah. Okay. And what, what happens? There's a sense of dissociating when you go back or up. You've, you've, you've found the difference yourself. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. What do you notice? Y- yeah, yeah. Everybody's a bit different. But when, when you're talking about... about about going down, it's like, absolutely, this is the direction for you. Okay. It's dropping into the stillness. Yeah. But it's very easy for you to, like, check out. Just check out to do that. Well, in the, in the past, when I, when I heard kind of pointing out stuff like that, then the system would kind of, dis, like, up and out was dissociating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of hearing that, the dialogue with relationally, like, there's also a way in which my system could go, like, with close and withdraw, and, like, so there's no personal anymore. Yes. But then it's kind of, like, it's no longer actually being intimate with immediacy because uh-huh. I'm, I'm not actually including, so I'm not actually including her in, in what's arising. So how do you, like, both the expansiveness but also, like, the, the intimate kind of penetration in the moment yeah what's your sense yeah 
Yeah. Why do you go out? What do you, I've got to just explore the map to see where the, the hook is for you. That's, that was the way in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you enjoy it? No, no. No. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay, good. All right. I was just curious more in general of like yeah. the distinction that just for humans that you notice. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of people are able to dissociate actually. But but sure, you know, sometimes life teaches us that to survive we we have a system of protecting ourselves of switching off, okay? It's a completely different thing obviously to spiritually going within. Okay. When when we go within there is a softness there yeah. that's not there when we disassociate. Yeah. You recognize it by the tenderness. Yeah. And that tenderness, yeah, is something stays open. When we dissociate, it's like, whoop, it's like sealed off and I'm out of here. Yeah. Something's back, something's gone, right? Yeah. And when we drop in, like we, we've left the me, myself, I, the, the selfish, because it's all about me. We left the selfish zone, but somehow, because it's closer to our true nature to move away from the me, myself, I, the heart is more open. Something is softer, is more relaxed, is safer, is yielding. Yielding. It's more natural. It's more being fully human. Do you see? Yeah. Now, if we're very damaged, people can't do that because when, when they drop in and they're open, it's like, this reminds me of not being safe. Uh -huh. Okay, that happens for some people. And then they really get confused because it reminds them of not being safe. Right. Right? So that's when it's like, okay, okay, now we have to do the healing work because you can't drop in until, until you've broken the association between the two. Sure. So when you feel the difference and you recognize, gosh, it, it's, there's a natural tenderness that arises here. When you can feel that, it's like, all right, all right, we're, we're, we're going in because we're staying open. The other person, like... Sometimes other people can have a lens of perception on them of how they think you should behave. Uh, so it, it could be that your partner doesn't recognize the softness or is looking for somebody to dance with. Yeah, no, I, I think that's okay. I, I think okay. the question was more just like in general yes. of um, what you notice. Is there distinctions in different people's, different people's systems? Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, that's, that's it really. It's like if there's enough lot of pain, the dissociation is learnt anyway from, from suffering. Yeah. That's how we learn it in the first place. And some people don't do it at all because they never got screwed around to such an extent that they had to protect themselves in that way. Do you know? Mm -hmm. so, so knowing that, hey, you know what, I'm just going to throw away the key f for checking out because actually it's just yeah. an old pattern. Yeah, I agree. So that's where we're going with the spiritual path, is being completely and totally present. If there's any avoidance, any denial, there is some version of checking out. And it's weird because, you know, you'll find it even in some, some non-dual circles, you'll find like a complete denial of the personal. And it's like, no, 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 you never, never have to do anything. You have to do nothing at all. You know, just, yeah. just it's going to happen on its own. It's like... Yeah. <sighs> It feels like it. There's more and more space between it, and then it's like it just gets minimized. It's like a computer program that just like computer program that just kind of like gets minimized. Yes. And then it'll come back in if it gets triggered or it yes uh, wants to avoid right. something or go. That's it. That's it. That's the personal doing its thing exactly. And so, as that process is kind of happening. Um, 
what about, I don't know say this. Like, so the emptiness of self is more, is, um, is one aspect, but then there's almost like an emptiness of form where, and it's a paradox of like, the more deeply embodied, like the more kind of proprioceptive sensory awareness, but then there's also a way in which like some aspect kind of ref- uses that as a reference point. Using, using the perception through the body as a reference point. Sensations. As a reference point for what? Awareness. So that's being mindful? Are you talking about being mindful or tuning into the present moment? Or are you like finding it an anchor for the here and now? Mm. I'm questioning the reference point piece. Yeah, so as I described, like the process of more and more relaxed um, and like down and through into my system. So there's a, you know, it's like a series of like locks and yes. so like kind of personal self might relax and then like system becomes more relaxed and then breath just becomes, there's an automaticness to like being and then subtle awareness increases. So su- so the gross, like subtle and then causal. Okay. And so then subtle can, so as the relaxation increases then, there's a blur of kind of everything. Okay. There's still, so that's kind of the edge of practice, and then there, but there's still like a looking out from the eye, from the like, so there's a camera that's looking out, and then there's just like um, a big soup here. Okay. And then there's only, so that there's a distinction of that between when the observer like dissolves into that even. Yes. So the edge of practice is the step back before. Yes. Um, can you function from that place when it becomes a soup when it all yeah I mean it happens more on the on the cushion or more like with client with a client okay Um, like moving is more challenging moving is more challenging yeah yeah it would be great to integrate that into moving yeah okay because your your perception is softening yeah perception is softening all right, and so something is, is just merging. It's kind of it's almost like the unity thing, you know. It's like uh, that which is the same is showing up, and, and the, the lens that sees yeah. differences has faded out. Right, and there's still you, everything feels connected and like a soup. Yeah, and if the mind needs to come in and make a distinction, it can, but it yes. doesn't need to. That's it. But then, but the but the camera still like the angle of the camera is still here. Okay, and then there's moments where that gets sucked up yeah okay what happens then Still the, uh, still the vantage of the, still the previous state that was described. Okay. It's not fully, it's not like sucked up. It's not sucked up. Okay. But sometimes the camera dissolves. Yeah. Yeah. So 
practice from there? Bloody great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. See if you can, if, 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 if there can be, okay, you know, you're on the cushion and it's all a soup. And just literally pick up something and put it at the other side and see if the soup perception continues. Just just physically move, do things, yeah. just look. And then, you know, in a week, see, okay, can I go and actually wash my face and okay. remain in the soup, right? That's, that's one thing, is okay. just to, to, to have a functioning, the functioning mind work well when your perception is in that all merges as one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, the other one, the, the functioning usually stops. Okay. With the disappearance of all of yeah. that, functioning stops. Okay. 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 So, let that one just... And yeah. It's like the condition, that can't be like, it's not, it doesn't seem to have a cause. Like yeah. It, it, it That's just right. like, That's right. everything has to be allowed and then yes. just... Conditions created and then... And it either happens or it doesn't, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So the more the the beyond all of it, that like, there was no words there when we talked to that gent, like what happens there, like, there's just no words at all. That's it. That's the answer. There's just nothing. There's nothing. You can't even... Even the idea of truth is seen to be another useless concept. It's all gone. I mean, all gone. So you can't even talk about it. So it's a beautiful example of like not being able to talk about it. There are no words for this, you know. But uh, but but you 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 can take the steps back, and either that it, it, what's there empties out, or it doesn't. So when it does. Great, great, because what it does is, is it, it shifts something neurologically, which, which at the end of the day allows consciousness to experience itself here in its fullness. You know, that's what, that's what, that's what we do. You know? we, we, consciousness tries to remember itself while having a human life. want to be here because I want to talk with you. I don't really know how to, I don't, I don't really know how to express everything that wants to be said, um, to figure out what wants to be said. This is where I need the help um, with this. A couple of things when you said about when you're dropping in or opening, and then there's that, this, oh, I mean, there's so much stuff. Um, like something inside doesn't know how to... Um, let's see. It so wants to open up to be... I mean, the, there's, there's a, a block there. Um, this this morning for the first time, maybe... Maybe it doesn't have to be there, but most of the time, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. 
But one thing I know, last year when I was here, I was um, telling you, I think I'm crazy, and you're saying no. Now I know I'm not crazy, but something inside feels like it's driving me crazy. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. And it's, it's just, it's, it's like a, a, a knot. It's all okay. Okay. And so all this stuff pulls me into this when I'm... I don't think I'm truly interested in this, but you said there must be some part that is. So. In this, what are you talking about? Uh, being drawn into the personal. Oh, the story. Being, you know, I say I'm not, but maybe there is. I, I don't know. I, it feels like it's controlling me. I'm not... I don't know. That's, that's all I have to say. But the mind is a liar. Yeah. And do you believe that it's controlling you? Um... It feels it feels like that. I mean, and that's the what doesn't feel. Um, so something seems to be moving in a direction that I don't want to go in. Okay, so in a direction that you don't want to go in. Is that the mind too? Of course. Okay. So it's all. It's all. Yeah. So it set up a bit of a conflict with yes. itself. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll keep its story going, won't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Can you see that it's all just like a, a, a tug of war where it's fighting with itself? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, I see that very much. Okay, so the more you entertain it and believe it, it becomes your experience. Mm-hmm. If you believe it and you go into the feeling of it and you, you know, acknowledge it and try and put it apart... It's now becoming your experience, and and that's all mind needs to do is just to validate its current story. Say, say some more. Okay. To pull this apart and to try and recognize what it is you're trying to control will be feeding in mm-hmm. to what the thing is trying to do. Exactly. Yes. It's just your mind trying to control another sense of something is stuck or blocked or or not allowing you to drop in mm-hmm. the thing is the thing is when you're asleep at night you're dropped in mm-hmm. you wake up in the morning and and as soon as there is a, a, a the, your attention goes on that old familiar feeling then you you believe into it into your existence mm-hmm. it, into its own existence and it becomes your experience mm-hmm. It's not about you trying to unravel what's happening. It's about you seeing that your mind is creating what's happening. Because if we believe everything that the mind says, its volume cranks up. I I didn't know I was believing it, but obviously I was. It's your experience, no? Mm -hmm. I mean... And it's valid for you, so for anything to be valid, it has to be believed into our experience. And we usually don't see the believing mechanism. No, this is what I'm you know? saying. I mean, yeah, 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 it's, it's, it's um, some, some people actually get to, get to taste the believable quality of a thought. There's actually a thought... And then there's actually a, a, a piece of energy. It's almost like a skin around a thought, which I'm calling believability. It's like a criteria that, that some thoughts just come with believability. 
if you can see the believability aspect, that's one way of like, oh my God, there's the believability aspect. Those who get to recognize that, no thought becomes believable after that. So that's just, just one way that it shows up for people. But to know that whatever is in your experience is being believed into your experience, mm-hmm. that can be enough of a key to undermine its validity. It's like, okay, that's the experience that's happening. I can either go into it and further believe that I have to dissect it or that there's something wrong here, or I can just see that my mind is creating all of this and it's being believed into my experience. Um, I'm right with you, but I need to hear it again. Can you say it again? Okay. So when there's the sense of something within that, that just is locked, doesn't want you to go in, that experience is being believed in order for you to register it as an an experience. It's being believed. It's being believed into existence. Mm -hmm. There is nothing to fix here. Mm -hmm. There is nothing to fix here. Mm -hmm. It's being believed. It's being believed into existence. And it's not a case of like, well, I'm choosing not to believe that anymore. That won't work. It's like, hold on now. This is being created by mind. I'm not going down, down the road deeper into its validating its existence in order to find a way of solving it. It won't work. For you, it won't work. Mm-hmm. If you can pull back and see that this experience is happening right now, okay, I've believed it into my experience. Can I pull, mm-hmm. can I pull back my perception to a point of, of where it's not so solid, just before it arose as a belief. So it's, it's, it leads you to understand how our mind works into creating our own reality. You're buying a thought, and the thought is that you've got something to fix here. It stops you from, mm-hmm. from, from dropping in. Mm-hmm. I'm saying you're buying the thought in the first place. Mm -hmm. It's not about sorting out what the contents of the thought Mm -hmm. are. You bought a thought. Do you see it? I I almost understand it, but I feel like if I go back to my seat now, I don't... Yeah. Even though I'm right... I'm almost That's right it. There. That's it. That's great because because you're 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 smelling it but you can't hold your yes. place there yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like <gasps> Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's great. That's okay. Write it down. And it's like, okay, you know, tonight. All right, let's just find that zone if we can. Find that zone, get relaxed. If I can I find that zone which is just before I've believed something into existence. It's like a zone. Okay. Do you know? Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like prior to the manifestation. It's where, where your thoughts manifest your reality. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of, you're pulling back to where the thought doesn't really have a story in it yet. It's just a little bubble. But you don't know what its story is yet. Mm-hmm. And its story in this case is that there's something blocking me from going in. Okay. You see? Yeah, I almost, I do, I almost do, but then I feel like I'm not going to... Yeah, it's okay. When I go, but I it's really okay. want to. Have That's it all okay. Come in and all so, so the 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 idea that you you're going to lose it when you sit down is another oh, thought okay. yes, that you've believed into uh-huh. your existence, yes, into okay. existence. Okay. Okay. That's another one. Uh-huh. So this pattern 
is pretty, you know, it hasn't been questioned before. Yes, okay. Believing an experience to be real. Okay. Oh. How did that happen? A thought arose and you went into the content of it and gave it life force okay. and now it becomes your experience. Okay. Oh. So we're setting up the next one now. When you sit down. Yeah, I see. You see? And it's like, okay, we're, we're setting that up now. Here's, the, yeah. the, here's the, the subject matter of it is when I sit down, I'll have forgotten this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so it's like, you're already like, let's, let's, let's make this yeah, my experience. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. No, that, that felt a little like... Getting a bit looser. So I'm just to see that I believe these thought things. Yes. And what was that about the skin, you said? Is that- yeah, it's like some people feel it like that. Um, some people who kind of who feel energy, who are sensitive to energy. You can sense that there's a thought, and you know it's just a thought. And it always just stays as a thought because there's an objectivity. Then there's other thoughts that, whoa, you're right in, and that's your experience, and that's happening. Okay? Those ones, there's, there is something attached to the thought which triggers your own neurology to believe it into your reality field. And energetically, it's almost like a layer on top of a thought. It's, I, 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 it's, it's kind of gobbledygook what I'm saying, but if it no, makes sense to somebody, then it really will open a door. So, so it's this... This particular attribute or characteristic of some thoughts is believability. Believability. And if our mind is, is you know, immune to, to, to recognizing, if it just cannot recognize the believability, we're right in there. Okay. You don't see that it's an option. Uh-huh. It's an option. This is a thought. There's a space between me and this thought manifesting as my yeah. reality. Mm-hmm. Do you see? Mm -hmm. So if you can find the believability, if it's like, okay, okay, here comes believability, or, whoa, I've already gone through believability because this is my experience now. Wow, it got right believed, okay. Okay. It could even play with it like that. Uh Yeah, to kind of recognize, all right, so so let's see the next thought now. What's the next thought? Um, Have I already believed another thought into, into existence? Is there another thought into my reality, coming into my reality right now? Or can there be just a sitting here without any investment in a thought? And it gives you distance. And you might be able to recognize that believing a thought is what's necessary for it to manifest as your personal experience. Mm-hmm. That part, that part I, I do understand. Great. But it, it's like the skin, and you said it, it, it attaches the neurons or something. It goes, and yeah. so all of a sudden you're just there. Yeah. Is that what's going, that's the... Yeah. But if you can see that, then if, you can if break that. If you can that. see that, that's one way to break it. That's one way to break it. Okay. Okay. Don't believe anything your mind says. It's okay. a good place to start. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Thank sure. Thank you. Sure, you're welcome. Lynn. And taking that to its um, conclusion, I suppose... There's a capacity to see what thoughts are necessary in order to make functioning happen. But you know it's just the body-mind mechanism going along with them just to enable functioning, you know? You know it's just 
Yeah, that's just how, how, how we as human beings perceive things, you know. We imagine that there's color, and so there isn't even color, it's light. It's, there's no color, actually. We, we create color in our eyesight, no? Like, nothing is as it seems. Nothing is as it seems. So, why do we get so obsessed by it? Because we believe it. And we don't even know we've believed stuff. We don't even know we've believed it. We're in hook, line, and center, and now we've got a problem to solve. And we love the juice of the drama. <laughs> it's wonderful. No, it works. Like, it really works. We, we follow it all the way in, and we stick ourselves in the mud, and we love to splash around in it. And then we think we have to fix up everything in order to, in order to back out. But actually, it's just thoughts. It's just thoughts. You know, it's all just thoughts. So from the backdrop, from the wider view, of course the mind needs to run thoughts and ideas for planning and for functioning and for to, to be able to subject-object, create the perception of subject-object. Of course these things need to function. But you know it's just a function of the body-mind organism. It's not you. It's ne- it was never you. You were, never, you were never caught in the story of you, you know? That was just a thought, that you were caught in the story of you. That's consciousness doing that believed thought. That's all that is. It never was you. You, 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 you can't come out. You, you never were in, really. Do you know? But we play as if you can. But when you come out, you'll see you were never in. You could never have been in. That they were just thoughts believed into existence. That there was an individual you who had something to search for. And we can't use that as, a, as an excuse to let ourselves <laughs> off the hook, you know? Then, then there's something weird going on. There must be absolute authenticity, you know? Around when, when you see this stuff. There has to be authenticity because there's nothing worse than using a spiritual concept to, to, uh, to disguise what's really going on. So, so look for the, the knowledge and the wisdom of seeing that you were never in. Rec- it's about recognizing something, not grabbing a spiritual concept. You know? Where is it now, Lynn? I just, I just had to catch it. Yeah. You caught it? Yeah. Yes! Mm-hmm. Yes! Good for you. Good for you. Yep. A good trick, actually, if that, if, if what we were talking to Lynn about, if that makes sense to you, you know, to, to like, to see the, see it as a thought rather than getting caught in the content of the thought. Then, then there's no more work to do, you know? There's no work to do then unpacking something because you can just see it as a thought, you know? If that's open to you, a good technique is let your attention rest where the next thought is going to come out of. Wherever the next thought is going to arise from, put your attention there right now. Right now, put your attention where your next thought is going to pop out of. Put your attention there. 
kind of sorts it out, doesn't it, a bit? Yeah. Stay natural, stay easy. If you kind of work at it, what, what, what? If you get into your head about it, of course, it makes no sense. But it's dead natural. Put your attention where your next thought is going to be born out of. Put your attention there. Now, where's the problem? <laughs> Guaranteed in three minutes we'll have another problem, but that's what, that's what we do, isn't it? We just keep churning them up. Brian, do you want to come up? Hi there. Hi. So it was funny for me to watch how quickly the eye grabbed that made a tool or something to do out of it. To make it better for me? Yeah. Yeah. For, for the eye. For the eye. Like, oh, okay, now I know what to do. Yes. So then there's this doing. Yes. You know, this eye that's doing. Yes. So, so if you can see that the eye is doing, then that's just the brain character, isn't it? That's just the character. Now, if you're invested in it and it's like, oh, because I get something out of it. You know, if that gets embellished and you're lost in there, all right. All right. Yeah, that's what it was feeding me. Look, here, have some of this. Yes. Yes. It'll feel good. It'll feel good, yes. Make it better for me, myself, and I. Yeah. Yeah. And it might always do that, you know? It might always do that. But the thing is, if there is some capacity to just not take it seriously, some capacity, it comes from the wider view and sees the personal eye doing its thing. Do you know? The volume gets lower. Might stop, might not stop. For some, it does stop, and for others, it really doesn't. That there's always this, this I who wants to make it better for itself. And so it is wise sometimes to have complete tolerance for that. To like, you know, the I, the way the I is wired here, it just wants to make things better for itself. And it gives it the space, you know, rather than being in there trying to sort it again. You know? Kind of just allowing it to have its, its side of the conversation. Yes, yes. For some, it, that's, that's the, as good as you can get it, do you know? Because anything else is in there. It's too much in there. You know? And the thing is, over time, when our perspective is broader than the personal, the volume of the personal goes down. It just goes down. Because we're not, we're not responding to, to its call for attention. We're not investing in it. So it naturally just stops crying for help, you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe allowing it to do its dance. It's a subtle game there, you know? Am I allowing it to do its dance and then I'm letting myself off the hook totally because, oh, that's just my personal eye and it's running amok? That mightn't help either. Say that again. Okay. So, so if you grab the concept of, okay, so the personal eye can do its, can do its let's make it better, and like, oh, here's a bit of candy, here's a bit of juice for me, let's, let's just maneuver with this, I've got something to gain here. Right, in the allowing of that, don't let the allowing be a carte blanche mm. for 
don't let it like keep going. Yes. Or, or spread. Or yes. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, I see it. It's doing that. Pull the attention away. Do you know? Pull the attention away. Keep the wider view. Because sometimes allowing can mean that we absolutely, we've just taken another personal eye position, actually. Right. I allowed. I allowed. Exactly. I allowed the eye. You know, gosh, like. It's, it's so. You said incessant. it. Yes, it is. It is. A wider view, a view from the totality, where you see it and it's okay, but you keep your distance from it. Your perception is wider, it's broader than the personal. Yeah, it's like, a, my experience is it's like a muscle. A muscle? It's like a muscle. Yes. The more I use it, the, the easier it is. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. And it's beautifully natural to use our muscles as it is to have the wider view, you know? Yeah. To allow the fullness of consciousness just to, just to use the body-mind in whatever way it does, you know? Mm. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> little energy in the chest so there must be something alright yeah. <laughs> why not <laughs> oh gosh it feels like the same conversation you've been having but from maybe the other side of the mountain and that's of like pleasure longing connection yeah. and um, just I had this experience a couple weeks ago of just connecting with a woman in a very intimate platonic kind of a way and it was just very beautiful and I in an, and in the moment it, it wanted nothing there was nothing being asked in the moment yes and then the mind comes in yes and just like you know you know how do I <laughs> how do I make this you know a lifetime thing and then you know and she wasn't going there so you know then the constriction inside of me and just and I actually found some beauty in the constriction which I want to acknowledge myself you know great you know it was like it just brought me to a deeper place of humility and appreciation for the fragileness of of connection but but in on the other side of that there's just like it's almost questioning what was real it, like it's now the mind's question, you know, the reality of the experience or of, um, it's like, how do you not seek that? How do you not want that? And, and yet I feel there is some suffering in the seeking and the wanting. I bet there is. And how do you not, and how do you not want that? And 
it even feels embarrassing just even talking to you now about it. There's just something even in that, in the mix into that, in that part of it too. And so, but, and then, and and I see that it's, you know, it got projected there on woman, but it could have been God, it could have been life, it could have been, you know, anything. You know, I have a sense of that as well. Yes. And so it's, anyway. Yes. So when an experience, something beautiful, a phenomenal experience, a material experience happens. Yeah. Let it go. Oh. Yeah. Much easier to drop it, to drop something as it happens, and the next moment is the next moment, and the next day is the next day. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we start to create a memory out of it, we attach to the memory, we put meaning on the memory, we then feel the absence of it, and it gets a, into be a big, big, <clears throat> a ball of suffering, really. Mm-hmm all created out of the mind making a story out of an experience. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to be gained from it. If you can see there's nothing at all to be gained from that, it would be great. Mm-hmm. The hook very often is when we have a nice experience, we relive it. And so we're feeding our memory bank. And then we're, the next moment is, oh, but it's actually absent now. And the memory isn't good enough. So then we shift our attention onto the absence of it. And then we're seeking. Then we're looking for something. Then we want more. Desire is born. You know, in that time when I wasn't wanting anything. Yes. And there was just presence and it was just beautiful it's like how do you how do you not want that I guess I guess there's just uh, yeah level of attachment and letting go isn't yeah, yeah well sure now now it's about letting go because you've you know you're, you're down the track on it now yeah of course it's about letting it go but ultimately there's still desire is active that's really that's the strong one desire is active and so desire is going to attach to any story. Sometimes it feels like old wounds just wanting to be soothed. All right. So there's a... Yeah. You know, that the, the desire is hooked into that. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, what, what, what really is the desire? What's the unsatisfied desire? Yeah. And you can see desire itself, or you can see the desire for something. Okay, if... if if you need to go into what the desire is for, all right, we're looking at old wounds, for example. Yeah. But if you can just see that it's just desire, it's actually just a head wrecker. My desire is a head wrecker. It's not much else, really. Something yeah. outside of there is going to make me feel better than I do right now. And if you buy that story, desire is running. Yeah. Something in me recognizes that. I feel a lightness just hearing that. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So desire got in there. You know, and that was the one that's underneath it all is desire. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the most potent one. Through that, desire will motivate us to create a memory, to to 
the absence of a story, desire will do all of that. Yeah. All of it. Tricky business, because presence really is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. And, and to let even that go. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No attachment to anything, really. Pretty trippy. Yes. But the freedom of that, it's actually better than a phenomenal experience. Mm-hmm. It, it's actually better. But your mind will tell you, no, 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 this beautiful intimacy was, was, was better. But mind will tell you that. But experiences come and go, you know? Mm-hmm. But as long as desire is not completely seen through, it will create an experience to be something other than it was. It'll put bells on it so that it'll give you material for desire to be reactivated. Do you see? Desire is the thing underneath all of this, actually. Hmm. And I've held desire as something that's pulled me out of the muck. Ah. So that's, there's where my hook, because for, for so long it's been... Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So there's a ladder to be kicked out from under. Yeah. 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 Things help us for a while, and then they got to go. Wow. But desire, you can take it. The (laughs) desire always brings suffering. You can take it that it always brings suffering. Yeah. Mm. It's the most potent thing that the person alive can use is desire. And, and it's in there with the personal lie. It has to be, because, because it, it's the thing that makes the personal lie suffer. You know, it wants something. It always wants something. It always wants something. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I've created a new concept of peace or created a new concept of, yes. of not wanting. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> The completeness of that experience of whatever yeah. desire said, whoa, let's go after that. Yeah. More of that, yeah. please. In heaping <laughs> spoonfuls. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Mm. Yes. So being desireless, how, how does that sit? And it's, you know, it's shifting. You're sitting here, it's like, it's sitting, feeling more spacious now. More open, more at peace. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize how much desire was uh, a formula for me. Oof. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, beautiful.
So, my hook is my children. My daughter was supposed to go to Bangladesh, and she had appendicitis. And it was taken care of, as all I could think about is if this had happened in Bangladesh, you know, she could be dead. And, uh, you know, she said she'd have to get airlifted out. I'm like, yeah, like, after they take how long to diagnose the problem? And it's just this huge fear now about her physical survival. So how come you went into the story of, like, if your appendicitis happened to Bangladesh? Because it's complete and total fantasy, because it didn't. Right. Right, projection. What, yeah, what, what was that about? This fear? Yeah, were you kind of looking for something to be dramatic about? Or was it a way to kind of tell her that you're concerned? Or Why would you create a scenario that absolutely can't happen? Because now if she goes to Bangladesh, she doesn't have appendix anyway that can burst. It's mine. So, I know, it's just mine. It's amazing, it's isn't mind. it? Amazing, isn't it? Creates a story out of nothing. Out of a scenario that didn't happen, uh, and then it gets this life force. It gets life force, no? As though it really happened, and it was just fantasy. It's not wild. It's wonderful, isn't it? No. Yeah. So much suffering. So much suffering. But if you can see that it's fantastic, it loses its seriousness. Because then you kind of get to see the, the, the joke, the play of consciousness. Do you know? That would be an interesting way to twist that. Just can't though. Ah, <laughs> so you're investing. I mean, then right. I go into, then I go into, if she gets sick there, then I'm going to have to freaking fly to Bangladesh and deal with Bangladesh Hospital. I can't even deal with John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, <laughs> let alone Bangladesh Hospital. Like, just total... There's another fantasy now we've yeah. created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so it's serious then? You like it to be serious, the fantasies that you're creating? <laughs> oh, it just feels like suffering, suffering, suffering. Amazing, isn't it? Even when life is good, we just create it in our heads in order to just continue that old groove. I guess, like you said, the fragility of life, you know, came into me. Like, I used to be sort of the spiritual bypass. Whatever happens is God's will. And now I feel more raw and vulnerable and open. And it just feels like the fragility of life is just so yes. in my face. And but it's beautiful. Fear. It's delicate. It's so much fear, though. But why? Why would there be fear in such beauty? The body dying. It's going to die. You're going to die. Your kids are going to die. This body's going to die. Yeah, well, hopefully I'll go first. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's what we hope, right? Of course it's going to go. Sometime. Right. It's just the thought of them going first. It's just, and that's another fantasy. It's, It's fantasy. But it's so much suffering. You're in the fantasy. Oh, my God. Let me suffer. Let me suffer. It is. It's like, it's conjure up a nightmare. Yeah, conjure up a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah. Try to flip it around and, and 
and see that mind is just this fantastic conjurer, magician, pulling the story, story out of nothing. Story-making machine. Story-making machine. Yeah. They're horrible stories. They're horrible <laughs> stories, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, they're horrible stories. But they're, they have no substance at all, as you know. But as long if you continue with the fantasy until there's an emotional response, uh, now, now it's sticky. Now it's sticky. And it's giving you an emotional response because it's dealing with literally life and death, you know? Like that's the, that's the content of, this, of these thoughts. Mind is a liar. Can I really talk myself out of it, though? Say, my, it's just projection. It's so, pro- I know it's projection. Okay. Can I actually talk myself out of putting weight on it? Well, put your attention on something else. Because when it's sticky and it has an emotional charge, any talking yourself out of it is just playing with it, really. It's just moving the furniture. Put your attention on something else. It's like, it's like you, you, your mind needs to be just pulled in a little bit so that it doesn't, it doesn't have free reign to build fantasies at this level. Just to pull it in. Just to pull it in. Do you know? Pull it in. And have a laugh at it. Because as long as mind has a power over you, to, to create something serious. It's like that threat. That threat gives it the ability to be, to have your ear, you know, or your attention, rather. Be light about it. it it's really nothing. It's really nothing. In death, it's nothing. Ah, not at all. Sure, it's just going to happen like anything, you know. Every time we eat a bit of meat, another animal has died. I mean, look at it. It's just... Once you're kids, it's all... Yeah, but death is everywhere. (gasps) Death is everywhere. But the idea of applying it to certain people creates an idea that has an emotional reaction. It's all in your head. Death is the most natural thing in the world. But, But then if you want to make it into something else... So is there any way I can work with that? Because that's really... It's still a story, you're going to say. Yes, it's still a story. So if you work with the story, yeah, if we work with the story, the story has you. Zero tolerance for, yeah, what it's doing. Yeah. Mind is amazing, isn't it? It's a fantastic thing when it's got nothing to focus on, you know, that to give it any juice, it's just make it out of thin air. Make it out of thin air. It's fantastic, really. You have to admire it, really. <laughs> I do I do really yeah you know and it's it's a useful position to take because it, it loses its power then you know you're admiring it from afar like any tool
Hi there. So you say, um, thoughts believed in create your reality. Yes, that's a good way to look at it. It's always true, but sometimes it, it sometimes we sometimes knowing that will really help, and sometimes you can't. You you you, you can't have done anything because life is. Sometimes you can't you can't stop thoughts creating your reality. What if you have a reality that happens? Okay. Before you started having negative thoughts about it, like okay. physical illness or. Okay. Yeah. 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 What then? Yes. Okay. So is physical illness what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Okay. In the phenomenal world, there's lots of different things things that create something. Like with physical illness, there's the environment, there's food, there's hereditary, there's bad luck, there's genetics, or whatever, you know, a disposition. So, so when, when there are these things coming in, sometimes it's the belief system of mass consciousness, sometimes it's preconceptual. It's not that a, a part of what would create a physical illness is actually an imprint that was before we could make any thoughts. Right? Consciousness itself has experiences and it will use whatever mechanism it wants. It picks up imprints along the way in order to clear energy or manifest. So there's loads of different causes. There's loads of different causes. Um, our thoughts about the illness, that's what we can choose to believe or not believe. Do you see? So more, more than our... Some, some illnesses are created by thoughts, but it's very few. There's more conditions, more causes that are in there other than our thoughts. But what we can do is change our attitude towards it so that our thinking, at least we can sort out our thinking around illness. It helps some people a lot, and it has very little impact on others, but it makes a difference in your experience of an illness. That's worth something. Since this happened, um, I've been having a lot of <clears throat> obsession about it. Like, I didn't have it before. I never was obsessed about my health. But since it happened, it was sudden. It was surprising. It's been a year, and I can't stop obsessing about, okay, what's going to happen next? Ah, ah and, okay. Okay. And things have happened next, so. Yes. Okay. How do you stop that loop, that train? That yeah, that's it. Because, okay, so the illness is there, but you've identified that how you think about the illness is the obsession. All right. Yeah. This is where we work. This is where we work. Okay. Have you accepted that there's this illness? No. No? Okay. Well, that'll start you fighting. And, and when we're fighting... Well, I had surgery for this illness, but this illness hasn't gone away in spite of the, supposedly, the fix for it, so... Okay. Okay. So the energy that we have 
towards healing ourselves can be wasted in the rejection of the illness. You need that energy to help you get well. And you're spending it fighting. Yeah. I'm not in acceptance. You're not in acceptance. Because when you accept it, it's like, okay, this is the situation. What do I do now? And then you, f- you find your personal power to manage your body in, a, in another way. Because right now, you've no power, you've no personal power to be able to manage your health in a positive way. I'm looking for the why. Why, 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 why? Yeah. Loads of things. Loads of things. Many, many things create physical, physical illness. Many things. But what you can do is drop the why. It's like, all right, here it is. Now, next step. What can I do? What can I do? But even that doesn't work because I've done what I can do. But you've done what you can do, but your thinking isn't aligned with the positivity. Your, your attitude towards it needs to be really positive so that you're, you're in a place of power. Do you see? Because right now you're fighting. I and see. I'm in a place of resistance. resistance. And, I, and I don't know how to bridge that and go to a place of acceptance. Yeah. You bring the mic a bit closer to yourself. Thank you. Okay. So when, what we resist persists. And as long as we resist, more resistance comes. Because it, it just persists. The best way to drop resistance is anytime you're resisting, drop it. Is there something yes, but you have to f- feed resistance in order to continue with it. The moment that you see that you're fighting it, drop it. You can only change a thought when you see that it's a thought. When you're in the behavior of the thought, you've no power at all over dropping it. But the moment that you're talking, like right now you're talking about resistance, it's like, okay, I have this illness. All right, so what? Let, let's live my day, do what I can to be positive, and take any step you can to be healthier. But really, your attitude towards it is the greatest thing that brings healing. You, and you have the power to direct that healing towards yourself. Because that promotes health hugely. You know, a positive attitude being light inside. So, so, okay, moving from resistance to acceptance. When you stop feeding the resistance, acceptance comes. It's not, it's not like about, okay, I need to accept. It's like, actually, just stop resisting. And acceptance is there. Except acceptance isn't something new. It's about resistance disappearing. I feel like... I'm not in acceptance, I'm in resignation. But it's different. That energy is different. Resignation is something you don't want, but you have no choice but to accept it. But acceptance comes from a yeah. different place. Yeah, it does, yeah. It's more embracing, I, I think. And that yeah, energy. it's a place of power. Acceptance is a place of power. Whereas resignation and resistance are, are it's the two sides of the same coin. You're fighting. 
you're fighting something that life is saying. Life has already said, you know, this is, this is how it's going. This is what's going to happen next. This is the next experience that can teach you something. And you're saying, nope, nope. Or, or else like, okay, look, I'm stuck with it. What am I going to do? It's like, life is okay with this. Creation is okay with this. You can be okay with this. And from there, you can walk with it and use it as your teacher. You know, physical illness can be a fantastic way to grow. Fantastic. But it's like your teacher has appeared and you're just fighting. You know? When you've nothing more to learn from it, it might just go, you know. But the body will do what the body will do. But your attitude towards it, you can totally change that. So it's not resignation. It's the absence of resistance and resignation. It's the absence of that. It's like, okay, all right. What can this teach me? What can this teach me? What can I do with this experience? But that's also something that has been driving me crazy because I'm always looking for those answers, the spiritual ego answers, the why am, what am I supposed to learn from this? And okay. it has gotten me nowhere asking those questions. Yeah, but do you, are you doing it from, from a place of, of, of anger or resentment? Or is it, a, is it a case of like from your personal power, you know? Probably all of it. Probably okay. anger and resentment and... I want to know an answer. Like, honestly, deeply, spiritually, I want to know an answer. Not just power, no. All of it. Sometimes <sighs> surrender, maybe. Sometimes, like, like a child begging to know something. Yes. You might never know. Because there's so many causes for everything. Is it okay not to know? No. Ah. No, it's not for me, no. Not at this stage. Okay, not the mic. I don't feel I'm okay with not knowing why. Okay, so when mind looks for a why, and there is none... I feel like things need to make sense to me. Okay. If they can make sense to me in, in the spiritual sense... Okay. I can embrace them. Okay. But if they don't make sense to me, I can't. Okay, can we change that? How? And we got some Kleenex? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's okay, it's okay. There's sleeves. It's There's a huge freedom in not knowing why. The mind tries to figure out why for everything. But but the the answers that come from the why are based on cause and effect. This creates this. I remember early on we were talking about cause and effect. It's only valid within a very small part of our experience. 
like as our perception pulls back and we do spiritual work, there isn't cause and effect. At another level, things just are, and they're not caused at all. You see? So you're, if, you're, if you're looking for a why to this physical illness, and even if you're looking for a spiritual cause, if you're open to any kind of a cause... That's my story. That's your story, and that'll keep you locked in the physical, keep you locked in the personal eye. If you can view this from the wider perspective, that would be addressing it from a, as a spiritual thing to teach you. It would be wider. But in the wider view, there is no cause. Things are. They just are. They just are. It doesn't mean accepting everything, but it's like, it's like that, I think it's a Christian prayer, is it? You know, the, change the things you can change, accept the things you can't, and have the wisdom to know the difference. You know? And it's like, okay, this has come. The, the surgical fix didn't work. This thing is sticking around for another bit. All right. Now, what are we going to do about it? So, so t- going into your personal power and managing it from there allows your life to get bigger. It doesn't consume you. Right. That's exactly the word. I'm, I'm all consumed by that. It's in my sleep. It's the first thing I think about when I wake up. I think I wake up about that. It's all consuming. It's like obsessive, yes. compulsive thoughts about that. Yes. And there is so much more. There's a whole life being lived, and this is just an experience that's going through the body. So it's like something has gotten into this micro view, and, and, and you're powerless, so you feel. But because you've given your power to resistance or to, you know, whatever you, you've identified like I, yourself. It's like I have that tunnel vision, and that's all that's my world, and... Yes, and I know my ho- my world has more amplitude, but I just yes, I'm tired of self-focusing so much on yes. that. Yes, yes, yes. But it's just the body that has the experience of the illness. It's just the body. Yeah, I said the other day I was working with my girlfriend a few months ago, and and I, I was talking to somebody that I had heart surgery, and I was climbing up the stairs at Swami's and. Somebody said, really, you had heart surgery and you're walking, like, really, you can do that so soon after? And I said, well, I had a heart surgery, but not a soul surgery. So at some level, I understand it's, it's a physical heart, but it's not the all of me. But in the meantime, I spend a lot of time obsessing about what's going to happen next. Am I going to die? Am I not the same thing as this lady was saying about, am I going to see my children? All that. They're just thoughts. They're just thoughts. What you're believing into your reality is those thoughts. They're the ones that have power over you now. The illness is there, it's fine. It's fine actually. But the thoughts, the consequences of it and the imagining that the illness has power over things, that's where the real suffering is. How do you kick them away? If we try to keep thoughts away, they come stronger. Because the resistance of trying to control mind comes from mind. Mind tries to control mind. I mean, I have a meditation practice. I'm able to like withdraw and be, you know, the observer a little bit. But 
then as soon as I'm not, I mean, I cannot sit like a Buddha all day meditating, you know, I have to, yeah. like, as soon as I'm not doing that, I'm back into the drama. Okay, so you stop the drama. How do you stop the drama? So anytime the thought comes up, find one anchor. It's very useful to find one thought as an anchor to stop, a, a, you know, a, a potent loop. And if you've got one thought, a good one would be, I love this beautiful body. I love this beautiful body. I love this beautiful body. Just a thought that has nothing at all to do with, with the story, with the drama, but that allows the body a positive experience. Something positive, something simple. Because to drop into like, okay, you know, to, to drop back or to drop the sort your attention to the source of the next thought sometimes it's too much you know and if we've been feeding a loop for a while it just it, it's like it gets power turbo boosted power you see and when we've, when we've set up a, a neurological pathway that's torturous in this way sometimes the best thing we can do is just have a healthy thought and from there we can step back so if you need to have a, a, a stepping stone thought, let it be a positive, a positive one. Let it come from your heart and let it be about your body, like your emotional heart. You know, my emotional heart loves my physical heart. There's love from this physical heart, healing love for this physical heart. Something that brings you in and out of, brings you into your, your torso, brings you into your body and out of the, the loops in your head. Let it get soft. But you're going to have to watch these thoughts because they're, they're strong because they take your attention. I think it can be my soul is not ill. Your soul is not ill? Sure. And the, the body is getting better. I love my body. I'm not so sure I have that one. But. Ah, then it might be an interesting one to work with. huh? Let me lose 50 pounds and then we'll Don't Listen, everything, <laughs> the body is beautiful. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to look a certain way to know that it's beautiful. It doesn't have to be a certain shape to be loved. We're in California. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in Ireland. <laughs> Kick that Californian cultural taboo about bodies out the door away get rid of it get rid of it the body is an exquisitely beautiful thing size and shape hey there's more of it there to love love it love it love it love it love it Thank you. yeah love it love it love it Thank that might be an interesting thing that this this health issue is teaching you To absolutely love the body. Love your body. It's like consciousness says, I've made this, but, but I'm not going to love it. It's like, w w w that comes from the personal mind. That layer only comes from the personal mind. Love bleeds through everything that pure consciousness does. So you as pure consciousness totally loves every rib of head on your hair. Every rib of hair on your head. It does. But if we come in with some cultural conditioning that it's not okay because A, B, C, D, gosh, 
why would we give that any attention at all? Align with pure consciousness, or the body is an ex- exquisitely beautiful thing and deserves every bit of love. We can be so hard on ourselves, can't we? As if life isn't uh, tough enough, you know? And we just run these loops and take in some negative ideas from culture and from external places. And it's almost like it's a setup in order to keep the personal hooked into a negative story, to keep it alive, you know? Gosh. Fear, you know, these, these, these loops that keep the personal story going. And the mind picks them up. But from the wider view, you can see, hey, you know, not buying into those things, just not buying in. Just not buying in. Let there be love, huh? Let there be love. It's all made of love anyway. It's all made of love. How can something not be lovable? It's made of love. Everything is made of love. There's nothing missing. There's nothing absent. Nothing at all. But mind plays that trick. And then if we're in our heads, there's something missing. There's something more that we want. But there's nothing missing. Nothing. Mind will always be searching for something else, wanting something else. Because it's a liar. Because it wants to imagine there's something missing. That's its gig. It's beautiful. You can, you can have a good laugh at it and enjoy its creativity. Fighting the mind just gives it more power. It's a beautiful thing. Nothing is absent. Nothing is less than. Is there anybody who can't recognize that right now? Is there any resistance from somebody right now? Great. Because your own, some part of you knows this. Some part of you knows this. It's just your mind will tell you otherwise. Remember, it's a liar. 
You have all you will ever need. Material stuff comes and goes. It's really not worth bothering about too much. We just play that game, you know, make that happen as best we can. But what you really need, you have. You have. The really essential components. The rest is just trappings. External paraphernalia. So thank you for your time this evening. And blessings on what I am in all these forms. <laughs> and uh, if you're free tomorrow, we begin at 10.30. We'll take a break sometime organically at lunchtime, and we finish at 5. So if you're free, come along. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>